This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. to be with you. Um, yeah, my name's Taylor and it's quite nice. I'm 29 years old and I feel like I'm still part of this demographic just. Um, next week I'm talking at a youth event so it's just downhill in that regard. Um, but I do love teenagers, love youth. Um, I'm a youth leader at Westminster Chapel with my husband Nathan and also on the team at New Day um, supporting the leadership there and of course there's loads of kind of faces here that are at New Day and serve at New Day so it's really nice. I feel like friends are in the room which is good but we're all friends. Um, and yeah, started Clarity Magazine when I was a student, actually, so definitely relevant to this age group and kind of carried that on up until now, which I'll talk a little bit about later. And then I work part-time as well at TBN UK, which is a Christian television channel, so that's us acquainted. Christian media is sort of my bag, and I guess it kind of made sense for these guys to invite me to talk on faith, because there have been some ridiculous things that I've stepped into that make no sense, um, and also helped other people to do the same thing. But when prepping for this message, I kind of sat with God and I asked him to speak about what he wanted me to share with you guys. And I'm actually really encouraged because it's basically what everybody has said this morning. So I feel like I'm in the right place. Um, You know, let go of your nets and follow me. It's brilliant. And he actually spoke to me less about stepping up and stepping into a new thing and a new vision. He actually spoke to me about stepping back and letting go. Uh, which is a bit awkward if projects kind of wanted people to be stepping out on mission and starting new things, you're all going to be quitting and giving up by the end of this. So, um, no, hopefully you'll be encouraged, um, but I'm very excited to bring this message. We're going to be looking at the life of Moses, not the whole life because we don't have very long, but just a moment in his life. And of course, Moses' life is marked by faith. Um, almost can't think of anyone more kind of marked by faith in his life, whether it's, you know, let my people go, or climbing up mountains to get the Ten Commandments, and parting the Red Sea, and even the way his life started, actually, like his mum putting a baby into a basket and sailing him off to safety. Um, I don't think you get much more faith than that. So he's definitely marked by faith, Um, but we're not actually going to look at any of those kind of big moments that I mentioned God brought my attention really specifically to two moments in the Bible um, that are a little bit smaller, seemingly identical. But before we get onto them, I just thought it'd be really helpful to look at the definition of faith. Because I think when we talk about faith, sometimes we can have a bit of a skewed understanding of it. And I definitely did until recently. I think sometimes we can think about faith and even talk to our friends about faith as if it's just this kind of wishy-washy blind thing and we kind of draw on scriptures like hope and assurance and faith and the things we do not see and we think there's no basis for that but when we see faith in the bible um, the hebrew word and if anyone speaks hebrew i'm so sorry about how i'm going to say this emunah maybe Uh, the hebrew word um, actually means belief and trust in something based on reason and evidence that's the word you see in the bible it's not just based on nothing it's based on reason and evidence and it's the same root word that we describe god as faithful they're not just kind of two words that have a tenuous link they are literally kind of two sides of the same coin when we see god referred to as faithful it's because he is steady concrete, reliable. He's proven himself time and time again. And that means we're able to have faith, belief based on reason, 
in that. And it makes us act faithfully in our actions. So it makes your head spin a little bit, all the kind of faith talk. But basically, we're able to have faith, belief based on reason, in something or someone that is faithful. It's proven itself. And it makes us act faithfully in our actions. So just with that lens, that's the kind of lens I want you to kind of read this passage with me and kind of focus on what we're saying. So we're going to look at the two water from the rock moments. And you may have heard of them before, you may have read this before, but they're found in Exodus and later on in Numbers. So we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 17. So please do turn to it if you've got a phone or a Bible. As I said, my administrative gift is very low, that's why there's no slides. So (laughs) you can read it with me. I'm going to read it to you from the beginning, Exodus 17. Let you guys rustle for a minute. So from verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So a little bit of context, I'm sure many of you are aware. Moses is leading the Israelites. They've left their place of oppression, their place of slavery in Egypt, and they're walking through. And really, based on what we've just said, the definition of faith, the Israelites are starting to lose their faith in Moses and in God. They're not thinking this is the most reliable journey anymore. Why did we even leave? And we see the instruction in verse 5. Moses implores the Lord, has faith in God, what do I do? And God says, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. And he strikes the rock and the water comes. And I just want to mention one part of this story here, which is the staff. So different translations will say it's a walking stick, a wooden rod. Um, So we'll say staff here. But essentially it's a wooden rod. And what's really important about this and what's really kind of poignant about this story is that Moses has had this staff since he was really called to ministry, if you like. It's been this kind of faithful object in his life. Um, When he was called at the burning bush, God provides it. Um, He's seen a lot of the miracles that God has brought be implemented through this staff. Like he says, it struck the Nile with it. Um, He's seen the kind of plagues come. Um, It's been a real faithful object. So I feel like it's a little bit easier for Moses to have faith in this moment. Because when Moses hears God say, take the staff, I feel like Moses is like, it's about to go down. Like, I know how this goes. Let's go. I'm going to do what you say. Easy to have faith because it's a reliable and trustworthy situation. But I want to turn to the second time this happens. As I said, it's like a mirror image, seemingly identical. But there's a couple of different details in Numbers 20. So we'll turn to that. And again, it's from the beginning. 
So in the first month, the whole Israelite community, you will spot a lot of mirror image details here, arrived at the desert of Zin. This is a different place, different time. And they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of, the, of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen you rebels. I love that, it sounds really odd. Listen you rebels, Um, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. So you can see a lot of similar details. The Israelites are unhappy. Moses goes to God. God tells him what to do. But what happens here? Here again we see God instruct Moses, take the staff, but this time you're to speak to the rock. And Moses instead strikes the rock twice and the water comes. And the consequence, I mean, it's massive. You think about the journey that Moses has gone on and all of that pressure. I find it really hard to even get into the mindset of Moses going on this journey and then to hear, you will not bring these people into the promised land. That's heavy, very heavy. Really, what was Moses' mistake? Well, the Lord says, you did not trust me enough. This trust is another word for faith. It's having trust in something you believe in, someone reliable, to regard him as holy. Really, Moses did what was so good, so far so good. He held on to that staff. He held on to what he knows works. He held on to that instrument that God gave. And really, he actually had more faith in the instrument that God gave than the God that gave it. And that's a tricky position to be in. I think often we can do the same thing. And I think especially in this age group, uh, Gabby mentioned Clarity Magazine earlier and I wanted to share my own example. It's a bit awkward actually, because I'm gonna share how I'm getting it all wrong with Clarity Magazine. And she was like, big it up. But um, really, Clarity's been a massive journey. Started it with no team, no money. Uh, had a five-year plan and God was like, no, no, you're going to do this thing now. Um, I won't go into it too much, but fast forward and about a year ago, we were at issue 18 and we were working on it and I just felt a shift in my spirit. Something was kind of brewing, different things were happening happening circumstantially. Um, I was getting kind of invitation and prompts to do different things um, and I just felt maybe something was going to be different. Maybe we were supposed to take the ministry in a different direction and so my husband and I, we have the dog, as I mentioned, she's amazing, um, but we walk the dog and we pray, that's when we have our kind of difficult conversations and pray, 
And we really felt after a time that we were being released from Clarity Magazine, at least in print, that we were to stop the print run. And I was, to be honest, really excited. I'd heard the instruction of God, um, had some confirmation of that. And then I went home and I started talking to myself. I should never talk to myself. Um, I was like, you know what sounds so much better than 18, 20? Wouldn't it be amazing if when we finished the print run, the website had 20 magazines? Yes, it would look great. And I had a couple of people on the team kind of back me up in that. And so what happened was I committed to 19 and 20. And let me tell you, it has been the longest process of production I've ever experienced. And I can't even tell you why. I love Clarity Magazine and the writing is amazing in these two issues, working on issue 19 and now on 20. Um, and nothing is wrong with it, nothing has happened, but for some reason getting it over that line has been like dragging like a weight. Um, the reason we're printing is just to honour those volunteers that have basically put the whole thing together. Um, but between me and God, oh my goodness, the difference I think is feeling his favour on the thing or not. And I'd never experienced that before. I think, not to big myself up, but I think I've been doing what he told me up until that point. And then it felt completely different. So the fracture was between mine and God's relationship. So that's just me being honest. And for you, I guess I'm asking, what are the things that you're holding on to? Well, maybe it might be a ministry that you've been called to or an instrument of your faith. Um, it could be where you're serving. It could be a job that you have. It could be a geographical location. You know, we heard a lot this morning about twists and the change of chapter and letting go of the net and following me. And I just thought, well, I think there's definitely people here that maybe are holding on to things just like I did. I think about relationships as well. When I was kind of brewing on this, I thought, wow, we do this in relationships as well. Um, I think in this age group, especially as you come through your 20s, there may be friendships that have been incredible and served both of you in your faith that actually now might not be serving either of you anymore, which can be a really hard process. It might be time to maybe cut those things off. I uh, say the same about romantic relationships, things that I think that's a massive thing we hold on to, even when we hear the instruction of God that it's not the right thing and we're not trusting him enough and that that relationship isn't for us. I feel like our relationships are going to be in tatters by the end of the day. <laughs> Please don't just all start cutting each other off. We're still the church. Um, but yeah, and even like getting married, I think how we love our spouse. We can do the so far so good and this is how I do things and not be willing to listen to the sensitivity of the spirit or even what they're telling you to your face. Um, and be willing to love people in a different way, not just spouses. Um, that brings me on to sex, which I won't go into too much. But even that, God really actually kind of mentioned this to me. I was chatting with some friends. We can get a bit stuck. Not like literally, just, <laughs> I can't help with that one. Just stuck. Come on, let's be mature about this. We can get a bit stuck um, or maybe even fearful, not willing to trust God and have faith in that marital relationship where actually we're called to love each other and serve each other and have those conversations. Whatever it is, I just felt prompted to mention it. Um, and that naturally brings me on to parenting. Um, it could be some of you in the room may have your first child, may have a second child. And having lived with parents, I felt it was a perfect picture of this kind of situation. You have one child, and I've watched parents do this, parent in a certain way. Maybe it's going well, maybe some things aren't. And then second child comes along, and it is a completely different ballgame, completely different scenario. They have to let go of all of those ways that they thought they could do things and parent that child, which I thought was a really brilliant picture. But it could be anything for you, and I think realistically the Holy Spirit will probably be prompting some things in your mind right now. 
But realistically, I think when our faith in this big God and big vision and who he is gets misplaced and we put our faith in the instrument or the things that are in our lives, that faith only gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I feel like it's like water in a container. That faith only fits the thing that you're putting it into. So our trust needs to be in God. And here's what's really scary, and this freaked me out. When I was reading it, I felt really convicted on this. Um, The Israelites, I don't know if you noticed, they get water either way. Um, Sometimes what we're doing can look like faith to the people that we serve and the people that we're being an example to. They got water either way. To them, it probably looked like Moses was doing his thing again. He got his staff, he struck the rock, and God brought water. Amazing. What a man of God. What a man of faith. But it was behind the scenes that there was a fracture between Moses and God's relationship, just like I was saying with me. With the magazine, I have no doubt that God will bless and pour out his spirit and pour out his water through that product for people because it's full of his word and it's good. But it's between me and God that there's an issue. He's saying, did you not trust me enough to regard me as holy? It's a bit scary. Maybe you've had that in church or in places where people are going, woo, well done. Look at you stepping out. Love the way you're serving. Love what you're doing. And you know deep down that something doesn't sit right. You know you've had conversations with God and you're not necessarily in the right place. You know, it sometimes doesn't take massive faith just to step up in the big things and the new ventures and the new things. I think it can sometimes take massive faith to step back from the old things and let go of those things. One thing I just want to note as well with this staff, because it's such an important part of the story, is that I was reading the second one, I was kind of pulling this together and I thought, God, you could have just told him, like, leave the staff at home. Don't bring it put it down, go out and speak to the rock. That would have been much easier for Moses. But God spoke so clearly to me and he kind of told me that sometimes when I call you, the things in your circumstances that you're idolizing or you're holding above me, they don't just disappear. That would be way easier if we'd only had one thing to put our faith in and it was God and everything else that was a distraction just disappeared. The staff is still present. And Moses, I feel like at that point, probably stopped listening when he heard, take the staff, go before the people. He probably just stopped listening to the instruction of God. Really here, the issue is that Moses is not regarding God as holy. He's not being willing to listen to him. And I think, again, sometimes we focus so much on the outworking of our faith. We get really excited when people step up or we're doing something new or even what I'm talking about when we let go of something and we break something and it's amazing. But just dwelling on this, dwelling on my own life, I kind of felt in my spirit that actually faith doesn't start in the stepping out, which sounds really counterintuitive because we say it a lot. But I think faith often starts in the listening. It makes me think of Peter walking on the water. Sometimes we say, and Peter stepped, and he kept stepping, and then he got distracted. But actually, what Peter does first is say, Jesus, if you call me, I'll come out on the water. It starts in the listening and knowing who Jesus is and trusting in him and looking at him. I think faith starts in the private, quiet place, in the listening. And one thing I just wanted to mention about this, because it's pretty heavy. It wasn't the most joyous message. (laughs) It's like, everybody stop doing what you're doing. But... When I was dwelling on this passage and knowing how I'd kind of gone with Clarity Magazine, I was really kind of like, well, Moses' punishment or consequence is massive. What is my consequence? How is this going to affect me? Lord, I've not regarded you as holy and I didn't trust you enough. What does this mean for me? 
And I wasn't actually going to bring this um, part of the message, but then when I was praying, God kind of said, well, the answer is in the passage, obviously, his word. You see, this just isn't just a prophetic, isn't just a picture, sorry, of Moses' relationship with God. It's a prophetic picture of what was to come, our relationship with Jesus. And I think in this, we find the answer to all of our fear and worry about what our punishment will be when we're getting things a little bit wrong. You see, the picture is about Jesus, our rock. The first instruction was to strike the rock. Why? Because Jesus would be struck once for all. He only needed to die once. You can't kill Jesus twice, and he lives. So that's why the second instruction was to speak to the rock. It didn't need to be struck anymore. Jesus doesn't need to die again for every single mistake that we would make or every single time that we misplace our faith or get it wrong or trust the wrong things or keep in that relationship. So many of us are dealing with so much guilt, and it's just another distraction from the enemy stopping us from listening and stepping into that faith and placing our faith again in the one who is faithful. There is no condemnation because we now have access to Jesus. We have access to the Father. He was struck and his blood poured out, and he, was, he now lives so that his spirit and living water can pour out. As we learn to speak with and listen to him and see that water pour out in our lives and in the church, our faith only builds. And really, if anyone knows anything about letting go of comfort and letting go of any of the former kind of great time that you're having to serve, it's Jesus. He let go of every comfort, to the let go of the glory that he had with the Father to come and serve us to prove himself faithful. So how much more should we be able to let go of the things in our own life in order to be faithful to the one who is faithful? I just want to pray for us um, before we end. I'll ask the band to come up um, wherever you are, and we will respond. But I just want to pray as we finish. Father God, I just thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you have proven yourself time and time again. And we're not just believing blind. We're believing because we see. We believe because you've revealed yourself. We thank you for your faithfulness as we've heard this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you regarded every instruction of the Father as trustworthy. So much so that you let go of your glory and came to serve us following the Father's instruction, Jesus, would you help us to do the same thing? Because there is glory, Lord. There is blessing and there is fruit. Would you help us to let go of our nets and follow you? Will our lives be an example of a faithful life serving the one who is faithful? And we just ask it in Jesus' name.